Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, a conversation with E. Jean Carroll. So it's been four years now, this month, that we woke up to find a video clip that was an outtake from Access Hollywood in which the then-candidate Donald Trump bragged about how easy it was for him to sexually assault women. Here, here's, here's the part of that tape that all of us remember. I gotta use some Tic Tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful, I just start kissing them, it's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the pussy. I can do anything. So that moment sort of solidified what became a pattern with Donald Trump, which is reports from women, credible, believable reports that he had assaulted or sexually harassed them, followed by a brief sort of burst of scandal, and then followed by, frankly, nothing. And it's been the case again and again and again. It started during his campaign. It actually started long before that, and, but it has continued through his presidency. And it raises really important questions, media questions, about why that is and why this hasn't become more of an issue in this re-election campaign. I'm so happy to have Eugene Carroll here. Hello. Kyle, that is the mystery, isn't it? Big, fat mystery. So, So does it enrage you when you watch these debates and this conversation leading up to this re-election that this is almost never, ever mentioned, either by the press or by his opponents or by anybody else? No. <laughs> Kyle, if I, I, you know what? Um, I don't get mad at that. There's, there's nothing I can do about I, I get mad about things that I can do something about. I can't do anything about running uh, the national conversation. Right. So... All of us know Eugene from her column in Elle magazine that ran for, gosh, it was 27 years, right? Yes, Kyle. <laughs> Ask Eugene. Um, I know you wrote into me frequently, right? I did. You know, I, it was a pseudonym, but you know who I am. Um, <laughs> and then her 2019 memoir, What Do We Need Men, Men For?, in which she accused Donald Trump of rape in a right. Bergdorf's dressing room in the right. mid 1990s. That case is now tied up in litigation. She sued Trump for defamation after he called her a liar and said he'd never met her. And then a New York judge recently rejected Trump's bid to halt the proceedings. So that that goes on. We're not going to get into that partly because it's in the middle of litigation and also uh, a lot of the details are out there. What I want to talk to you about is this, what I find extraordinary series of pieces that you're doing for The Atlantic in which you interview other women who have been assaulted by Donald Trump and talk to them about their experience, both in the moment with him and also their experience after the disclosure. And actually, there's a fascinating conversation you have with somebody who decided not to disclose it. And why Wasn't she that interesting? Why? It was really interesting. And again, like, it, you know, it's so it, it, it was enraging, frankly, because these stories are so compelling. And the and there is so much. <laughs> the dog agrees. And the dog agrees. Hey, hey, Guff. What is the dog's name? Guffington von Fluke. Guffington von Fluke. What is he? What is he? 
here's a, a humane society cross between a pit bull and a husky. So he is a husky. Uh-huh. And I'm very glad he's here because, uh, you know, for people who try to uh, come up and see where I live, et cetera, et cetera, he's very handy. Yeah, he sounds vicious. <laughs> um, well, what I, what I say is that this series in the Atlantic, one, there's so much overlap in the stories that the women tell. Like, I know, the approach that- to Trump is so similar from case to case to oh, case. Oh, Lord. Um, and his, his modus operandi is just, it's so repetitive. And frankly, it's so, it's so lame. I mean, he's he just, he's just thoughtless and uncaring. And obviously, I mean, there was this amazing, amazing moment where... The woman on the airplane, right? Yeah. Jessica Leeds. Yes. She was roped by him. No, um, well, more than groped. He, he had... See, I don't... The, the media uses the word grope. Okay. Nobody knows what the hell grope means. Mm-hmm. So uh, two weeks ago, I um, uh, talked to a woman, uh, Kristen Anderson, who explained exactly mm-hmm. what groping is by the president. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, he, uh, yes, I understand why the media has to use a term like grope grab, uh, kiss, those words are useful because in certain publications, you cannot go into sexual detail. Right. So they are shorthand. But it does the women no favors right. because the evangelicals and uh, the voters just slough it off. If they knew what groping was, they would stop and think, wait a minute, this man did that to that woman? Mm-hmm. That you know, he reached in Jessica Lee's case. He reached inside her blouse. He mm-hmm. tried to pull out, a, you know, a breast. He had mm-hmm. was going at her with both hands mm-hmm. while the guy across the aisle stared. Jessica mm-hmm. said his eyes were as big as saucers, mm-hmm. and nobody came to her assistance. It's amazing. Was that the was that the case where she saw him years later? Yeah, he, uh, two years later, she was at the uh, Humane Society Gala uh, with all the uh, at Saks Fifth Avenue uh, with all the major dress designers. It was very she she. She was dressed in a beautiful designer gown, and he walked in with a very p- pregnant uh, Arvana and said, saw her, stopped, stared, and said. You're the cunt from the airplane. Yeah. And, and the reason that that was so chilling is it just spoke to his sense that he was, he was answerable to nobody. I mean, he could say that in public and it wouldn't matter. Right. No, he is. Well, he is an- answerable to nobody. Um, I have a theory, Kyle, about why nobody does anything about all these women coming forward. Um, what is that? Well, first of all, I think many women voters like to hear that he grabs women. I think women voters like to hear that he's very sexual, he's very powerful, they will vote for him, they're lonely, they want to be grabbed. Now, people are going to think, E. Jean, how can you even think that? But I know (laughs) some of these voters. Uh, They're my people. I know evangelicals. Um, You know, I was born and raised in Indiana. There are many women out there who find this extremely attractive. And uh-huh. the men 
vote for him because he's a leader. A man who can do this to women can do anything. It's a mark of like a Caesar or, you know, a Genghis Khan or Alexander the Great. I'm naming people who had several, several wives. It's attractive um, in a male leader. And so I paused myself before I came forward because I knew it would rouse his base to uh, greater heights. Uh, I think I was right. I think that people like that he does this. I think that many liberals don't like it. Any, you know, most thinking women don't like it. Uh, but um, I think that's what we're living with here. And the evangelicals, by the way, their belief is that he hasn't attacked any women lately. God has forgiven him and he's improved. So there's that. Do you think that the way that these cases are covered contributes to that? Um, that if, I mean, what, what's, what's astonishing about your series is that it's told, these stories are told entirely from the point of view of the women, right? right. Um, right. We don't, we hear pretty much, we hear only from them and right. we hear their, it's, it's, it's their view of what happened. Right. So many right. of the other stories are told differently. They're sexualized. Or yeah. they're told from the point of view of the man, and yeah. the, do you think that changes how they how it's all received? That's very interesting, Kyle. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, yeah, these stories put the woman in what's her life as she moved through her life, what she was like at the time it happened, and then we follow through what happened after she came forward, and of course, then we had the shower of death threats. And the, you know, the miserable way these women are called liars and, and skanks and, you know, crazy. And um, inevitably, uh, the woman's looks are disparaged. So the woman who comes forward knows what she's getting into. So uh, that they came forward in 2016 and then were brave enough to do it again for the Atlantic magazine to me, is the most astonishing part of it. They came forward again. So, uh, you know, my hat goes off and they're endlessly uh, brave. So how could these cases, these stories be covered differently by news outlets to make these women's stories resonate more? Start writing uh, the real truth about sex, number one. That'll Uh never happen. So I may may as well not even suggested the New York Times is not going to talk about Donald Trump sticking his finger into the vagina of a woman. They are just not going to do it. I mean, maybe they would if it, if they could. I, I don't. I can't figure out a way they could do that. Now, is that is that because he's? But that that was the case before he was the president. Or do you think it, that's because he's the president? It seems because, you know, when I read the coverage of Harvey Weinstein, that was yeah. more explicit. Well, that, that was, was more... because it was Megan Toohey and Jody Kantner. They're not going to, you know, those two women, they, there's, they will cross every line to get their story. So yeah. that we're, we're talking about two heroes there right? Uh, that they, they were explicit. So they really are breaking down that barrier a little bit. But, you know, Trump is something else. He'll sue you at the drop of a hat. He's already sued the Times. 
He's threatened to sue every single one of these women. Um, I think there's a good chance that he's going to be reelected. So you do. Oh yeah. Don't you? I don't know. I don't know. Um, huh. it's, I mean, it's, you know, the, I don't know. <laughs> Did you see who's ahead today in South Carolina? No. Lindsay, Lindsay Graham. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, things that, that you know, it's, and then, uh, you know, I'm not going to give you my theories about the Russians coming in to save the election for Trump, but I think that's a strong possibility. What do you, I don't, I don't know. You know, Eugene, I was like, I, I was so taken aback in 2016 and I was so, you know, I became very cynical about polls and I about, know. about coverage. And so I have no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, I sort of take this one day at a time. I know I've read the Columbia Journalism Review. I know that you're very skeptical of polls, and uh, well, good for you. I wish everybody would read that. Yeah. What do you make? I mean, I mentioned at the top that you had a really interesting conversation with a woman, uh, a, a lawyer who, right, who also had a story to t- tell, but had decided for her own reasons not to go public with it. Right. Um, what do you make of that decision? I assume that you understand it completely. I mean, I thought yeah. your your profile of her was quite sympathetic and and really sort of hashed out the reasons that that she came to this conclusion. But how, what do you make of it? Well, she was um, again up for partner at her law firm. Her career would have ended if she had come out for Trump against him. It would have ended. So she had to weigh. And she had just had a baby, if you remember from the profile. She had to weigh having her career stopped in its tracks or telling what happened. As it is, she told her mother, and her mother still voted for Donald Trump. Yeah, I remember that. And her mother, by the way, is a doctor, an abortion rights woman, and a feminist. Uh-huh. The mother voted for him because she liked her portfolio and she thought he'd do well in business. Yeah. And then you then, then there was another quote from another woman saying that what happened to her after she went public was as oh. bad as oh. what Donald Trump did to her. Oh, that's Karen. Uh, yes, it was. Pro- Karen is actually her quote. was It's a million times worse. What she yeah. went through because she lives in a very Republican area. Her kids go to a Republican school. She's still being tortured. Her neighbors are still giving her the cold shoulder. And you know what? Karina came forward a second time for the Atlantic. I mean, yeah. talk about being brave. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, when we when we started this conversation, I asked, you know, whether how you viewed the fact that we're not having a bigger conversation about this in the middle of this campaign. Right. And your your response was sort of on the optimistic side. But you can't be you can't be upset about it. Oh, I can't be upset about it. I can sit back and and laugh. Uh-huh. You know, uh, Kyle, a lot of my life is uh, filled with hilarity and good cheer. Uh-huh. I, I know we're doing the best we can. Mm-hmm. We have a complete clown um, in the White House who is sexually assaulted. And I am only touching the tip of the iceberg, as you mm-hmm. know, at the Atlantic. The research department there, you know, headed up, headed up by the legendary Yvonne. Uh, we all know because we've heard it in my transcripts and the women I and 
every woman I talk to, Kyle, knows two other women. Yeah. Uh, but we can't reveal that. We we can't come, if the woman won't come forward, they won't come forward. So we know that the stories that are out there are just a sliver of the reality of what Trump has done to women. It is astonishing. Do you think people's views towards the body of evidence here <laughs> will change? If he's voted out of office, do you no. think that there could be criminal cases? Do you think it's going to be any different? No. Kyle, women still, Kyle, even in 2020, women come forward, accuse men of sexual assault, and women are not believed. That's yeah. how it is. Men are powerful. Women lack their power. So right. it's the same as it was 2,000 years ago, as it was, uh, you know, in the Renaissance in the you know 1800s 1900s and now it's the same thing women come forward they are not believed we know that because only five percent less than five percent of rape cases um the guy goes to jail so less than five percent because the woman is not believed yeah so you think that harvey weinstein and jeffrey epstein were anomalous i mean in in the sense of they were actually held to account finally for what they oh yeah that was my God, we should have a national holiday that that happened. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that that was, a, and you know what? We got to say journalists did it, Kyle. If right. there was ever a moment to be proud, you know, Megan and Jody and and Ronan, you know, and, and uh, you know the your your publication. I mean, you know, you're graduating kids out of there. They're going to go out and uh, be just crazy enough. To break some rules and get get these stories done. And you know, we should add Eugene Carroll to that list of people. No, I These don't are terrific know. these are terrific pieces. Oh boy, coming from you, that's a big deal. Thank you. Let me ask you about Elle magazine. What happened there? Um, why did that end? It was uh, I don't know if you want to rehash this, but I'm really curious why that ended and what your communication with them was. Well, when they called me to tell me that after 27 years, they were not going to renew my contract, I thought they were calling to invite me to the Christmas party. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> but, you know, Hearst is a very conservative company. Very conservative. A great company, but very conservative. Over 85%, or perhaps it's 90%, of their political contributions go to the Republican Party. Oh, really? Interesting. Oh, yeah. So uh, they cannot have, I had a lot of Republican readers. They could not have an advice columnist to advising women about their careers, for God's sakes, and their love lives, who's accused the President of the United States of rape. Can't have it. I get mm. it. And it was probably a fairly easy uh decision to make. However, they said they were sort of pissed off that the, that uh, I took the story uh, and, uh, to New York Magazine. Uh, you believe that, that? Oh, I think that I think that upset them, but of course they went to New York because Elle never would have run it. Right. They never, Kyle, can you picture Elle Magazine running that story? No. Right. No. 
Um, I could picture Team Vogue running it. Um, oh well, that's a yeah, that's a there no. are other titles that would have done it, but yeah, probably not. Yeah. But were, yeah. They, were they were they were they were they honest with you about the reason why, or did no, you, no, yeah. they said uh, we don't have the pages. Uh huh. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. We don't have the pages. I have no. Do you have any idea what that means? I have no idea. Yeah. So how many are you? How many more of these profiles will we see? yet to run or or where are you in the process for the atlantic pieces well uh kyle uh it's glad that i'm glad we're talking here when do you go live with this podcast tomorrow okay the last the last profile will appear next wednesday oh great okay and maybe you didn't figure this out but the way i did these profiles i started out with natasha who was the people of yeah. the journalist yeah now, he shoved her up against the wall and kissed her yeah. Then I went to Karina, and he grabbed her breast, and then we had the woman whose name was not used, and she didn't come forward. Then we had Jessica. He grabbed her breast and went up her skirt. You mm-hmm. see what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. And then we had Alba, who uh, you know, who was a Republican campaign worker, and in mm-hmm. front of other, he kissed her. Then I had Kristen, who uh, he went up her skirt, squished her vagina. Mm-hmm. In his fingers, squeezed mm-hmm. it. That's what groping is. Mm-hmm. And then I end with Jill, who barely made it out alive. Mm-hmm. So I start with the kiss yeah. and work through the female body. And so Jill Harth is is the last, and she is the most. You will not believe how many times he assaulted her. It mm-hmm. is incredible. She's mm-hmm. the first woman to publicly come forward. Mm-hmm. Have you been, um, what has been your sense of how these pieces have landed? Like in terms no of. I have no idea. idea. Uh, you know, I, I thought my Twitter, you know, they all, everybody went nuts for it on Twitter, but that, that is a, you know, that's a sliver. I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Do you have any idea? I do. My, my idea is that they haven't landed like they should have. Yeah. Um, and that's no criticism of the Atlantic or their efforts or certainly of what you've done. But I just think it speaks to what we talked about earlier, which is the rece- receptivity that people have with this. And, and this sense in the news cycle that we sort of know this, right? We, we yeah. know this. Yeah, we know. We've heard this. Let's, let, what, what, what can you tell us that we don't know? Exactly. Um, and I think it's a huge flaw. And I think it's a flaw in the sort of the way we frame stories and the kind of media attention span. And also just like sometimes, I mean, and you know, this is not at all, this is a very weird example to bring in, but you know, if you look at how the New York times has approached Trump and his taxes, it's like, yeah, that's a boring story. We know he's a shady businessman, but they just sort of have kept at it again and again. and again. Right. They packaged it. Yeah. And they've just been relentless. Yeah. And they, brilliant. and they haven't cared they haven't really cared whether in the short term people, a lot of people click on it because they know that it's the right thing to do. And I yeah. think the same thing applies here. Like you just oh. have to keep on it and just keep Thank you. again and again and again. Thank you, Kyle. I, I like that analogy because I'm a big fan of the, uh, the Trump taxes. Wow. It was relentless every day. It was. Yeah. And you're right. The packaging of it was, you know, in the various parts uh, was brilliant. 
So you know, it's a good thing. It, I think you're. I think you're right. People think they know, but honestly, they don't know what he actually has done. They yeah. have no idea. Well, it's a terrific body of work. I'm really glad to have you on. Thank you so Ooh. much. Thank you so much. And so, what kind of dog do you have, Kyle? I don't know. Yeah, this is like this. This conversation has been like the ghost of the neighborhood noises has come in. No, we um, love it. I this think... is not my dog. This is some neighbor dog. Well, oh. <laughs> so you can read all of CJR's coverage of the final weeks of this amazing presidential campaign um, at CJR.org, as well as following us on our daily email newsletter, The Media Today, and on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.